Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Michael Clark. And I'm Nick Prosser. And I'm Matt Croger. Tonight we thought we'd record a quick little episode regarding Mantic's newest release, The Vault, their brand new STL subscription, which is uh, super exciting. Uh, I'd like to thank these two guys for joining me on a Saturday night, I put the call out, and you know, only only two heroes answered. <laughs> you got you got uh, the drinks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I uh, I appreciate you guys. Oh, Clarky, I wanted I particularly wanted you on, given that you're a printing aficionado. Um, but before we before we get into the vault and talk about this subscription, let's go through a bit of a, a hobby date. Uh, Mr. Clark, you're a hobby fiend. What have you been working on the last couple of weeks? I have been doing that much. Uh, my last big project was I printed and painted a nearly a full army for a Force of a Nature army in about four days for a Sydney event a few weeks ago. Uh, the Canberra cold means time in the old hobby cave has been limited. It's been a bit cold here lately. Especially with your old bones, mate. You know, it must really seep in. It does. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I can tell you last week was very cold. And I've been printing a few more um, phoenixes and all the elementals and the obligatory Gladestalker fill so I can fill out fill out the range. Uh, so that's basically the, the biggest hobby bit I've been doing in the last few weeks. Because for you, would that be pure forces of nature? Do you, do you have a Sylvan army? Will there be crossover there or? It will be crossover. I have uh, both. I have the whole three, forces of nature, Sylvan kin and Murphing into a salamander army as well. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah, you've been really pumping it out recently. I mean, I think that was that was a couple of weeks ago for the uh, for the tournament. But before before that, you were working on something else, weren't you? I've been printing a lot of armies for other people. Uh, not yeah. so much doing much painting myself. I've struggled with painting. Uh, printing is all more more my hobby at the moment than than painting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Nick, we we know uh, you're not necessarily a, a big hobby person, although you you dabble in many systems. You're a you're a big player of the hobby. You like to uh, you like to certainly for kings. You like to purchase your armies fully painted. Often, uh, have you been have you been doing any hobby the last couple of weeks? Uh, really, in a pure hobby of the hobby sense, and I've been working a little bit on my battletech models. I find if something is small in scale, I can generally try and and finish something. Otherwise, just unwrapping pre-painted six mil Prussians, which um, I had shipped in from a painting factory. And um, I, the, the hobby space is getting lots of use, though. The um, the eldest child was down here airbrushing things again today. Airbrushing so, my stuff or his? I'm. It's it's not entirely sure. <laughs> I didn't say which one it was. I'm just having a look. Um, can't say. Oh, yours is. There's some of your stuff, but. Is this one yours? So, um, this one so for, for those listeners who are who are well well aware of how I like to outsource my assembling and and more recently priming as well, it is Nick's eldest that is uh that does that for me. He um 
he's delivered a bunch of stuff, but but no bill yet. So you know, I don't I don't know whether to be. <laughs> don't know how nervous to be. Let's let's just hope he gets it in before before tax time. You know, so I can uh, do it on the payroll. Hey, Clarky, my accounting friend. Yeah, got to get that printing and stationery bill up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, we've had both you guys on before, so I don't think we'll do like a full hobby background. I think, Clarky, it's been a while, but we've we've had you on, and Nick, you've been on the various Clash of Kings episodes, being the uh, the person that helps me out with toing most days. We've we've got an ambush tournament coming up next Saturday, so a week from today. Clarky, you're you're in. Nick, you haven't registered. Are you coming? Yeah, I'm coming. I've been yeah, registered. Okay. Yeah, last last minute as always. Clarky, you got any idea what you're going to bring? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've got uh, a salamander army that all I need to do is paint some rhinosaurs and it's uh, all ready to go. Oh, nice. Excellent. Nick, do you th- know what you're like? Nick, uh, did you come? You you had a stinker at the last ambush tournament. I, I, I lost. That's every game. Did you win like one game out of six or something? I know, I won no games out of six. Oh, no games out of six, uh, which is quite unlike you. Uh, was, it, was, it, was it enough big monsters on the table for it? Yeah. No, no. There's all sizes of units I take, but there was, the opponent had the same number too, which confused me, I think. Yeah. Yes, so exactly. Like, you know, Nick's, Nick's very uh, a big fan of the highly elite armies, so probably in when, when it's scaled down, it's just too many units for you to handle at that, at that points level. Yeah, so I'm thinking I might have to take um, Forces of the Abyss because I don't think okay. we've got enough. I was going to take Basilians, but I don't mm-hmm. think we've got enough um, regiments of um, uh, Paladin for Gut. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, sorry, troops. I'm, troops. I'm, um, I'm super undecided. I, my uh, my Basilians did pretty well last time, but... I'd, I thought I'd take something different. So I'm actually considering taking the halflings because I'm not sure anyone else will bring halflings. But I've also, I think I can just about get what I would want to on the board with the salamanders from the slow grow. Although if Clarky's taking those, I'll, I like lots of variety at the tournament. So I'll, I'll probably I'll probably do the halflings, I reckon. And uh, I actually, since painting the 2,000 points for the the last counter charge challenge last year. I don't think I've put the halflings on the board. Have either of you guys played with halflings before? No, I've been struggling to get mine painted. Mm. Yeah. No, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And for myself, I managed to finish two regiments of Salamander Unblooded, which is good. Uh, so I think after a few, I've, I forgot how soul-destroying block infantry can be. Um, so I think I'll give myself a little bit of a break and paint a phoenix or something, you know, something that's, uh, you know, no good in the game. (laughs) 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 Um, I just printed two of those phoenixes for, uh, to add to my magic phoenix. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've that, that, that very same file you've printed is, uh, that's my first phoenix in my, um, Basileans and I definitely want a, a second one as an option. And uh, I have swung back to the Trochi style of thinking, though, in terms of uh, normal Phoenix over the ancient Phoenix. I think losing, I agree with him, that losing the nimble on the ancient Phoenix can hurt a lot. 
it kind of just decreases its utility a bit. But having said that, you know, Radiance of Life and Cloak of Death are just such good rules. So, yeah, I don't know. I think often if I've been running one, I go for the Ancient. But if I've been running two, I kind of go double, double regular. Combining them with the Scorch Wings makes them pretty tasty. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, things like the Salamanders can put out, you know, nice fast wings now while you've got a pretty resilient core to the army. It's 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 pretty good, and it was certainly very good. The, the Phoenix is very good in ambush, you know, having that that reach as well as shooting as well as heal. It's yeah, very, very good. Um, yes, so, I've got, yeah. I've got, I've got one in my ambush army. Yeah, yeah, I, I highly recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's almost like in ambush, it's almost impossible to kill in one turn because its nerve is just so high. And with the regen, it, it's yeah. one of those things that you can basically just hold up something almost the entire game. Well, I played with it on not this Thursday, the Thursday before against John, and he flank charged it, front charged it, and it took, I think, three turns to, to, to kill it. Yeah, yeah, get a couple of good regen rolls and it just keeps coming back. Yeah. Like any good phoenix. Yeah. yeah. Rises from the flames. Yeah, yeah, just like your favourite forks from your favourite movies, the Harry Potter movies for Clarkie. No, 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 no. Star Wars, mate, Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we're, uh, we're here to talk about the new Mantic STL subscription, so we might, we might also have a bit of a chat about our background in printing. And uh, and how we got into it, how we use it mostly now, and and maybe touch on what Patreons or subscriptions we support. Clarky, do you want to start? Yeah, I started three D printing in about two thousand and nineteen. Uh, mainly to start off with, I went with an FDM printer because I wanted to print terrain because I'm fairly big into building terrain and having lots of table support tournaments. Uh, but it turned out it was great for terrain, but not so good for minis. Uh, and I looked and looked and looked at resin printers and the pros and cons at the time were not great, but I eventually went with a Elegu Mars and went back from there. Now I've got Elegu Mars, I've got a Saturn and a Saturn II and all the paraphernalia with it. Uh, I could print armies like they've gone out of style if I wanted to. There's a big learning curve and I think it's sort of like a hobby in itself. I probably do more printing than I do miniature painting and, and building. I've sort of moved on. I've got enough armies. I don't really need to worry about building new armies. And I do it because um, it's, in some respects, it's easier than painting. I just can't handle painting. It just drives me to distraction. Uh, so I've printed quite a few armies for myself and a lot of armies for other people. Uh, and I've started now printing basing material for my armies and that makes the bases so much better. Most of the times so my bases are better than my arms. Uh, I currently support a few Patreons, Artisan Guild, Titan Forge, Highland Miniatures are the main ones, and um, Ilithiad, I think that's how you pronounce it, he produces a lot of Kings of War-specific armies, so he's been good to follow. And I supported Raven Twin and Kosher Guy miniatures in the past, but I tend to go on and off then depending on what they're doing at the time. And I also buy a lot of one-off models from my mini factory. A lot of my money goes to my mini factory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, I I didn't realise that there was that one that um 
that was King specific, to be honest. And so do they put out like every model for an army? Every model and sometimes multiple models and extra really? models that you can use for using the army. He's done <laughs> okay. he's done elves, he's done Sylvan Kin, he's done uh Twilight Kin, which you'll probably have to redo. He's done Orcs. He's just finished a uh, I think he called it an Order of the Green Lady Army, but it was like in Hussars type style. And today, the first release for his Undead Army came out. Nick, what about yourself? Well, we tried to get into FDM printing uh, several Clash of Kings ago, and it worked for a bit. And then we sort of all got distracted, and it stopped. But that sort of failed. Um, and then we tried to get into resin printing, and that worked for a bit. And now we've got. Yeah, um, a resin printer who sits at a friend's house and occasionally they print stuff from. But I always like the idea. I just don't have the – I don't have it with me to play with it all the time or space in my small little hobby space. Um, but I do really like the idea. I like the ability to, to print things, and it's becoming more and more popular, not just in Kings of War, but Napoleonics, those guys are doing huge amounts of print runs with stuff because it's so much easier and they're able to pick and choose specifically which – which models and sculpts they, they use, and they're really enjoying. Uh, I don't know about the ones we're doing now that we just did the Kings of War one, but they're able to actually repose and reposition bits. So when you get the model, you'll get, so if it's an infantry, it'll be someone standing, and then you can change the arms and things like that and the heads. Or if they're in a, a skirmish pose, there's sort of these um, multiple assembly models, so you can put the bits together and change them so they can get a bit more of a moment. Um, so what momentum or a, a look of um, action from the what's traditionally, especially in the six mil scale, very um, flat monoposed models. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's that's interesting. That that would be something that I'd love to see come in more to the fantasy miniatures. I don't think any of the Patreons I support do that kind of. Oh, that's probably not quite true. But that they don't seem to be targeted at that modular type arrangement for minis. Would you agree, Clarky? Most of the ones I support are like that, but the the Kings of War guy, Illithad or whatever his name, his are all multi-part models, so you can yeah, actually okay. pose them any way you want. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I've done, cool. I've just printed some Glade Skorker filth, and they are, I could, you, you could, I've got the whole regiment, and they all different poses and all different stands and all different. They look complete. None of them look exactly the same because you can just move the arms around so that um, they're different. Yeah, I really like that. That's awesome. Mm. Yeah, I guess it's that trade-off, isn't it, between having multi-parts or, or single models? Yeah, putting together multi-parts is, you know, going back to the old-school plastics and with resin it's having to use super glue. It's a bit of a pain, but the mm. the look you get is a lot better at times. Yep. Except, no. except if you're a dwarf. You know, if you're dwarves, you just want one model, <laughs> one pose. Thirty of them on a base and and move they, forward. They only have one base, don't they? Yeah, dwarves. Yeah, grumpy. Yeah, exactly. I thought you'd have a certain affinity for that, then, Clarky. Well, I've printed one, but I just can't be bothered painting it. <laughs> and Nick, do you do you support any Patreons? I do. Um, I do Forest Dragon and um, Todoro Minis. That's really for. Uh, my my idea of one day getting our small scale kings of war going, you know, we've printed and painted a, a Sylvan kin, you know, elf um, 
uh, um, you just need to base it. So yeah, so yeah, that's right. That we, we what scale did we do that? Ten mil. Yeah, then yeah. Warmaster scale. So it's um yeah, Warmaster. Yeah, right. Warmaster. Yeah. So I think the only yeah, thing and the Forest Dragon's essentially designed for Warmaster, isn't it? So yeah. they printed on the Warmaster bases, and our plan had been basically creating a um you know whatever the Warmaster base equals this in Kings of War, and then pretty much play everything the same so that if a dragon moves 20 inches it actually feels like it's moving really far yeah nice looking forward to having the dragons on the turn to be able to do that yeah 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 and uh yeah for me i mean i was the the fdm printing journey started with you yourself and tony um nick where we i don't know what it was was it i'm pretty sure we dropped 4500 on that fdm kit it was a good one at the time yeah yeah between the three of us it was like it was it was things hadn't advanced that far and it was dual extruder could do two different colors um it came with a 3d scanner and things and yeah we got about a couple of months in and then it all went to pot <laughs> right after right after the D- dildo trophy gate um, <laughs> yeah. and uh so yeah and then eventually yeah we got the the one that's at tony's house uh, unused i think we should move it back to your house get it get it under there um uh, get get your children doing it for us yeah well uh, depends on when you want your models paid in space yeah 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 well <laughs> we've got time it's a get still get more use than it does currently and then we yeah. of course um kick-started the the jupiter the jupiter is the big one isn't it yep yeah. which um i added a room to my lease at work to store <laughs> uh and uh so it hasn't it it gets the the problem with me is being split between a couple of workplaces and uh, so I'm I'm with it about three days a week but it's a matter of whether I get time but I like to print mostly mostly stuff for the bases I've kind of steered away now from printing many minis if Mantic mate the army but I like to print lots of basing bits and I want to get more into I've backed quite a few of the tabletop terrain kickstarters and I just think. Um, Although the new FDM printers are getting pretty bloody good, I think I I don't mind the bit of extra cost of printing the um the terrain in in resin things like buildings. So uh, I want to try fiddling fiddling with some buildings, but because the the Jupiter, given it's so big, it punt, it does have a fair bit of waste each time you use it. So you kind of got to do full print beds, otherwise it's just it's just going to waste. Um, but but it's been good. Hey. What's the waste? Uh, well, like if you have a failed print, it just because the bed's so big, like unless you do a really good draining, you, you like you you lose more to cleaning out than you would on a smaller on a smaller plate. You know what I mean? Um, has it got the Has it got the the tech clean? Yep, yep, yeah, it does. Oh. And the, the cool thing about it, it's also got an automatic resin feeder, so. Um, it can just automatically refill when it's getting low. So you can be doing a big print and just have a bottle in there and it's just uh, feeding resin into it itself. It's a nice bit of kit. I think I've had a bit of it. I think I've had a dodgy plate since having it because there seems to be a portion that doesn't print well, but I've still um, still managed to get plenty out of it. Mm. Now let's get on to the Vault. So Mantic's latest re- release. And uh, first of all, let's go over what the Vault is and what we know so far. And so the Vault is Mantic's monthly STL subscription service run through their 
own company not using a third-party provider such as Patreon or My Mini Factory. It's available as a standalone service or you can get a discount if you add it to your top companion subscription. So I think the top companion subscription is a gold subscription and when you add on the STL, it becomes a platinum. Uh, In its first month, we have been given access to, it's pretty outrageous what we got access to. So the... The, basically, the starter boxes for Amada for both um, Basalia and the Orc. I think I'm right in that's the starter boxes, right? Or has it got the extra big ships as well? I think it has one the one extra big ship for each of the each of the factions. Yeah, could be yeah, wrong. Which is, which is yeah, and it, if it doesn't, it's at least the starter boxes. Then you've got aeronauts, some terrain bits. I think hell strikers. And basically all the resin upgrades for Riftforge orcs and halfling infantry and knights, which is which and is poachers. pretty sorry. And the poachers. Yes, and poachers, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you've got the, the store world upgrades, the jugger upgrades, um, and the poacher upgrades for the halflings. And I'm thinking for so for the Riftforge orcs, I'm just gonna have a what do we got? It's your Body and the upgrade. Oh, the the upgrade STLs are to add weapon options for the uh, weapon options for the reborn legionnaires. Uh, legionaries, I think they say. Uh, so, like, that's a fair bit of value. And then, what they've already leaked for the coming months. I'm just gonna scroll back here. Is they've said for June. The hint they've said is Basilian and Orc Fleet Booster, so we'll get probably most of the rest of the ships for that. And War in the Holds Part 1. Can, can either of you guys remember what War in the Holds had? Is that the Waskaven one? Or the um, Save Orcs or something? Yeah, yeah not I'm sure. Not, not sure. Um, but obviously that's the, um, you know, whatever upgrade bits or whatever you... Um, some of the stuff that you had in there. And then the for July, they're saying more Amada and Shadows in the North Part 1. So, look, I'd, I'd be surprised if we got the same level of value every month because it was pretty good. And you've got a welcome pack, actually, with some random weird-looking monster, uh, a dice holder. Uh, one of the, That's the Riftforge Giant upgrade, isn't it? That's uh, Storm Giant. Storm Giant, yeah. Uh, and then a few other models and a bunch of a bunch of bases. Oh, and a Ronnie the Bard STL. Ronnie's obviously uh, wanting to see himself printed all over the place. <laughs> as many now times that, as now, possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, now we've got that in our STL version. I'd like to see some people make some additions to that in their slicing software. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'd like to see a, a particularly particularly well endowed, you know, Ronnie the Bard. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Make make a good change from the real life version. So yeah, I, I mean, there's a there's a heap of value in there, particularly in that first month. So let let's go over our initial impressions to this, Clarky. What do you think? I guess firstly about the idea of the vault in general, and then uh, the kind of value you're getting. Well, actually, you know, just the initial impression of the vault. Let's leave the value for later. Just your initial impression of the vault, the the idea of it, and and what you think it brings for Mantic. Well, I thought I thought it was when we heard it was coming. I thought it was going to be restricted to their other game systems, like you know, as with Amada and maybe um, 
Dead Zone and stuff like that. But the first release uh, was quite a surprise. I think it's a great move forward for Mantic. Um, the way the print quality on resin printers is going, it's the way of the future. I cannot believe that, you know, in five, ten years' time, there's going to be a lot of game, game companies um, producing plastic models because it's just not going to be cost-effective. Uh, you know, it's a bit, it, it, it's, it's a start. Um, for me, in the first release, getting the Aeronauts on top of the, the Reforge Orcs was quite a surprise and it was a bit helpful for me because when I bought my Aeronauts, they were missing parts so I couldn't actually use them. So now I can print them and actually put them on the table. So that's pretty good. <laughs> nice. Uh, and, and in less parts. Oh, yeah, we go through that later, but, yeah, way, way easier to do aeronauts now. They may even become more prolific on the table. Mm. I think probably one issue they've got to address is um, supplying them unsupported. Um, It doesn't really matter to me because I'm pretty proficient at supporting, but there are some people that just have not adventured that far into 3D 3D printing and they rely on all the pre-supported models, so they need to look at that. Uh, future releases, I think I think linking it to the companion was a great idea because if you've got the companion and you do the 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 STL release, it costs you next to nothing. I think it's like four pounds a month. I think it cost us in Australia, which is what about seven or eight bucks, which is about half the price of a normal uh, Patreon. Mm. And getting the the halfling upgrades means that you know a lot of those unused halfling models from the plastic sprues could now be used. So I think it's a great initiative and well done. And what about yourself, Nick? What are I your like initial it. impressions? Well, um, it's just especially in Australia, it's just hard to get some of these things. I'm waiting for it. We don't have, especially in Canada, we don't have a lot of stockists. So it's nice. I mean, the, and the ships, uh, I really like the ships. I quite like the Mana. Um, but I wasn't that keen on buying them, but I probably get them printed for myself because I have a huge Mana, Mana War collection I picked up there a while ago. Um, but it's just nice to go, well, here it is. Um, you can print them. I mean, it just shows that I think that they're going to put more and more effort into it because, you know, getting it just sculpted, which they've done anyway for a lot of their stuff, and then effectively releasing that, I'm sure they'll put supports on it later, but I mean, they've already got the models, so they're able to basically do double sell for this stuff. So people who have already got it, um, they'll buy this and then they'll print more and have more and more ships or more and more aeronauts. I mean, everyone seems to love aeronauts. And, I mean, Until they put them on the table. <laughs> <laughs> and putting in the, the companion is also tiny with that. It's great. I mean, it's only a small uplift. I definitely think, I think the next lot of packs will be smaller, like, um, the war in the holes, you know, we'll probably only get maybe 10 different models. You know, so there'll be some goblins, there'll be some rats, you know, some rat ogres and some other ogres and things. But I think it'll just be slowly, slowly they'll bring it all out and it'll just be a beautiful way to keep keep it going. I mean, you know, and adding another $4 a month on a subscription is nothing. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think I think it's an excellent idea for them. It wasn't... It's, well, quite a while. It must be more than six months ago now I actually did a presentation for Ronnie that I, you know, I had this bit of a fear that at their size, you know, that Mantic were like ripe to be sunk by the the printing fa- the, the printing um, explosion if they didn't jump on board. Uh, and, and with the costs of resin 
skyrocketing, I think. It just makes sense for them at their size of an organisation to find ways where effectively they're outsourcing the production of their models, right, mm-hmm. to, to, the, to the person buying. And so as, as well as just adding guaranteed revenue to their bottom line, so which was one of my, I think, was the, the brilliance of the companion as well, is that, you know, when, uh, and I got some help from Perum, but like it, when we looked at it, you know, so the, the top Patreons have 10,000 subscribers a month at 10 bucks a month. You know, that's that's some serious coin to the bottom line of a of a small company. Not now, not suggesting that they're going to go to ten thousand anytime soon, but you know, any I think a su- subscription based model just just makes sense. Um, or as I might have to insert there, as Jeremy says, it just makes sense. And tying to, I mean, you guys both mentioned it. Tying it to the companion is is seriously good because it encourages that bi-directional support it encourages you to either upgrade your companion yep or add on the on the stls so um yeah like you said clarky for an extra four pounds so about seven bucks aussie you know it's i think reasonably equivalent us right that you um that you get all of this like yeah when when you put it on to the add-on amount it's it's actually you know you're actually getting awesome value, and particularly in those ships, you know those those ships are are a lot. And I think you know Armada exploded for them at the start. They had trouble keeping up with the supply. They just had you know all almost every um, every person and their dog, you know, just trying to trying to punch out their resin for them. And I think um, they're also very fragile in transit as well. Some of those pieces on those boats. Exactly. Exactly. And so a lot. A lot I have to admit, a lot of their resin products are very fragile. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the thing with resin, right? It can really depend on the type of resin you use. Like, Clarky, I know you use a good quality resin. Uh, I always buy um, a good Elegoo resin. It's um, it, it, it can make a big difference. And and I think in terms of pre-supports, Clarky, I have it on good authority that from June onwards that it will be delivered with pre-supports. So um, they've already listened to that feedback, which is which is excellent. What what do you think about it being run on their own platform? So tied in with that companion and and via Mantic rather than say Patreon or My Mini Factory or something. Well, you're going to pay clips to someone else for a start if you do it, and this is combining everything into one thing, right? The people who are already subscribing to the companion are the people who are going to be downloading the SDLs and printing them. I think it's going to be interesting to see if we ever, ever ever find out what sort of the uptake was because there's people in Australia that we've been talking to in the last few days that have, have, have bought the subscription and they've never been into 3D printing before and they're just going to do it, go down to a 3D printer and say, print these for me. Yeah, which is great, right? That's like yeah. that is, That's exactly who you're trying to get with a subscription model. I mean, you guys are both, you know, very, I mean, I think we're, we're, we're all into business here. You know, I have a couple of businesses, Nick, you're basically the most successful person I know <laughs> financially. Uh, Clarky, you know, you're a CFO or have been a CFO of a big accounting company. I just think, you know, that's the kind of thing you're targeting with this with a su- subscription-based model, right? The people that just go, oh, yeah, you know, that's actually not that much. Why not add it? I want to support that company that's that, that gives to me too. And then they're either happy to keep it going or they forget to turn it off. <laughs> Well, that, that, 
subscription-based models, that is a problem for some people because you, you forget that you're actually subscribing to something and you don't use it, yep. but the money keeps coming out every month. Yeah. Well, there's a reason that all the biggest companies in the world use it now, right? All the big software companies. Generally, because I'm an accountant, I keep track of it, but there are people that, you know, some probably don't. Yeah. But yeah, the, oh, look, the, the, I think the, the biggest thing I have against it is it'll come out of my bank account as uh, Mantic Games, which means I can't add it to the business, you know, because I can't, can't, uh, oh, you, can't you need it away you need, something else. You need a pseudo name change on the way yeah, through. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I could say, oh, it's paediatric equipment or something. <laughs> uh, I, 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 think, I think there's pros and cons to their own platform. I think it's good because it, it ties it all to their own product, right? And so you're probably going to get, I think it's a good way to get people exploring the other systems that they might not be exploring because you get a little bit of a mix. But I guess the thing is, is whilst it has you know, potentially, like you said, attracted some new customers who haven't been into to printing before, they're, they're in some way already Mantic customers. And I and I think you, by not having Patreon or My Mini Factory or things, you probably don't open yourself up to brand new customers. And, and look, that's probably just the future because obviously I think they're targeting existing customers when half of it is basically upgrade packs anyway, right? So... They're basically for now targeting Mantic people, um, but I think that would be worth some thought in the future. What What do you think of that? I think it's going to depend on what they, because there is a a fairly big three D printing community out there, but there are also a lot of people that play the game that just don't get involved in three D printing. So it sort of comes to the fact, you know, you're, you're selling aeronauts on a, well, you're basically giving your aeronaut IP away straight away. Uh, are people going to buy the boxes? Yeah. Well, and I think because they're printing in-house, I'm not sure how much stock they actually keep on hand, to be honest. Um, I mean, these are these are questions we don't know. It's interesting. You see a lot of people always bring that up, and they're typically, as in the, the whole IP and what if people give away your SDLs. To, to me, the people that bring those up aren't typically printing people. Like I, I haven't seen that be a big thing in the printing crowd. Like maybe there'd be a bit of shared overlap, but I don't. I don't often see people just giving stuff away like that. And I, I certainly don't think. Well, I would hate to see it when the vast majority of three D printing, right? If you look at my mini factory and things, they're not necessarily predict um, producing really solid games in the background. They're just doing models and wanting to sell models. So I would hate to see that happen to Mantic, but I, I don't think that's a big risk. What do you guys think? I don't, I don't think so. I think that, um, you know, yes, they're giving away the STLs, but there's nothing, nothing to stop someone really from, I don't know how copyrighted or trademarked each of the individual things are, from recreating themselves. This way you're just making it easy for people. As far as getting people in, I mean, I can see them in the future going, we're going to do like a core army box and at the same time release that, we're going to release all the STLs for you change it. So like what they've done with Riftforge or ones, with the arms here. So here's a normal Reforge Orcs, and if you're subscribing to the Companion, this month when we release it, you get the you know, the extra arm bits you can print off yourself to make it into these other units. So I can see... Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think they're 3D SDLs that they release. They won't sort of move into releasing everything with SDLs. They will 
do their, I think their, you know, resin upgrades because I think the resin upgrades are probably fairly expensive to produce and they'll probably not make a lot of money out of it. But they'll combine the 3D releases with the the plastic sprues, which their plastic sprues have, have increased in in quality, you know, tenfold in the last, you know, even 12 months. So I think that's what they'll do. You're not going to get everything under under the SDL model. Uh, and we were sort of saying what I was saying is they'll release the core plastic figure and then here are the three different options for arms. It comes with one and if you're in the companion, you'll get this month you'll get um, another set and the month after you'll get another set. So you know, on the first month when it all comes out, you can only do the ones that come in the box. But if you wait a month, then you can print your own extra arms for the second option wait another month in print, you know, the third option of arms. Yeah, and I think you're, you're totally right there, Clarky. It's You know, the, the upgrades I think are very expensive to produce and I doubt they sell a lot because they're bloody expensive to buy. So I think you'll see that. Um, and so as soon as that's expensive to buy, what you risk is that someone goes and buys a different model from somewhere else anyway, whereas now they probably decrease the chances of that. Yeah, so uh, the the only other thing I'd like to see is now that they've put the STL out there as this month, right, and in it it's got the aeronauts and things. What I'd really like to see is that in a couple of months' time they have an online store where you can buy the aeronauts separately given they've already been released but charge way more, you know, significantly less than what you'd have to buy for resin but, you know, charge charge 20 or 30 bucks for an STL, for the three different STLs of, of things and, and let people buy the STL. What do you think of that? Well, that's what um, people like Artisan Guild and Titan Forge do. They they release their packs each month and the patrons get them for the price they pay. And if you go on to my mini factory to buy that release and you're not a patron, you pay four or five times the amount. And But if you only want uh, three models in the range, like there might be they might release three mini dragons that you can use as um, in your elf army. You buy those STLs, but you're paying nearly you're paying more than a Patreon pays for the whole yeah. monthly subscription. And I think mm-hmm. that's a model that they'll probably probably need to go to because there's some people will look at it and say, "I will never play a martyr. I will never play this. I will never play that." And I'm not going to subscribe just to get you know, one or two models every that I'm going to use every couple of months like us 3D printing tragics do. Mm. And they will, if they release them and they charge, say, 15 or 20 pounds for a aeronaut box, it's it's not, the, the, the marginal cost of them is nothing. And if they sell them, they're making 20 pounds more than they would if they built a box and never sold it. 100%. And and the thing about that twenty pounds is like all all the cost for them is already realised, right? In the design phase, they're not paying someone to yeah to to resin cast it and and things. So it's almost all cream. That's right. It's it's, yeah. it's a money that they probably would not make unless they did they did it. That did take me on to my um, next question, though. What what do you guys think of the mixed game releases? So it, it obviously seems that. Um, at the moment, it looks like it's going to be primarily Armada and Kings of War that they're doing. Nick, what, what do you think of every month it being a bit mixed, which is I'd, I'd say in the monthly release type game for STLs is a little bit atypical. Like you usually get, say, all of a certain type of something per month. What do you think of the mixed game release? Well, I think they just want to try and keep us um, 
um, interested for the first couple of months, then we just accept it. And I think that because there's only so much Amanda, uh, sorry, Amada, um, and you know, dead set of firefight, I think that they'll they'll start shrinking down what we start seeing. And it wouldn't surprise me in you know August September we start seeing it going back to one. So like you know, one month we'll have some Kings of War stuff. The next month will be some Amada stuff. The month after might be some firefight and um, and uh, what's the other one? Uh, Dead Zone. Zone, yeah. I mean, but Dead Zone use the same models anyway, so there's really only three there. So I think they'll probably rotate it. They might see how it goes doing that on a month by month and maybe just slip in one or two Kings of War option STLs just to make sure the Kings of War people have uh, still got stuff in there because they're the real, you know, the biggest seller, I, I believe, to my knowledge, out of the three games. So, you know, we might see some more arms. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if we see it, saw some, you know, in August we saw some more Armada and then probably some um, armor options for the War and the Hold. So either some Goblin bits or some Skaven bits, sorry, Rat King bits. So some Rat King or Goblin bits in September with some Armada. I think I think the, the, the big plus for them is that they don't release full ranges mm. and it's a bit of a bugbear for us. Kings of War players that you can't, uh, other than Halflings, which I think is 99% done, a lot of the other ranges you can't do a full Mantic Army. And this way they can say, well, we don't really want to go to the trouble of doing a full, a, a big monster and probably not sell that many of them. But if we release it as an SDL, the people who want it will get it and print it and use it, um, whereas they may not buy the box, which is probably costly for them to produce. Yeah, which is 100% why they probably should move towards individual purchase at some point too because, like, let's just say you want a uh, – what what's something that's not, not produced, a type of monster or something at the moment for an army? I can't think of one off the top of my head. I can think of rank and file. Uh, like, you know, they could – they can basically – oh, I know um, – the Lachelodon, not the Lachelodon. What's the other one in Salamanders? The one that no one uses, the Commodon. You know, they could switch that on tomorrow if they had someone design it, right? And um, sell it for twenty bucks, as as that. Like, uh, uh, and then as part of whatever you, whatever you release at the same time. But it, like you say, Clarky, you just allow them to fill out those ranges without a massive amount of expenditure. Well, that's right. They could do the the rank and file in their plastics. They could release the the, the hand and you know the weapon upgrades in as SDLs, and then do the the models that they're probably not going to sell a lot of as an SDL, and make probably more money they would if they designed it, printed it, and tried to sell it. Well, and and I actually think if we think about their other game systems, is that. This kind of model work makes a lot of sense for their sci-fi games, right, where you don't have massive amounts of rank and file that you can put on plastic really easily. So they could be like switching on armies in a month if they really wanted to. Well, that's right. And the other, other thing that I think is good for them, and there's, there's a lot of the armies in the Kings of War uh, that they just don't do, they don't do ranges for. Mm. And it, it would be quite easy for them to go to a designer and say, look, design me a Kings of Men army. This is the models we want. 
and then they release it. It doesn't cost them a lot of money. They're not producing the actual miniatures, but they have now have an official Kings of War Mantic army. 100%. Yeah. And I think for me, yeah, the, the, the mixed the mixed game system helps to look the existing Mantic fans, make them look at the, the other games. Um, and, yeah, it still pushes people back towards their plastic because you still need their rank and file. So... Yeah, so I think it means that that with with that that the potential purchase of their non printed stuff might might continue. Um, we, we've touched briefly on it. What do you, what do you guys think about the the cost, Nick? Start with you. Um, well, I already had the companion, um, so I felt actually adding a couple extra dollars on to upgrade to the platinum was was worth it. I mean, not, I'm probably directly under unlikely to directly print, but it has made me think about, well, maybe I should actually go and get some of the Amada stuff printed because they are very pretty models. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, and sorry, just Clarky before you chime in. So I think we're looking at, I think it was about a four-pound four pound add-on. So, yeah, $7 Australian, whatever that is, American. Is it reasonably equitable, pound in, in the US dollar? Don't know. Uh, no idea. No idea. Yeah. Who cares about America? Who cares about America? <laughs> um, yeah, we don't have any listeners in America. Get back in your boxes, you two people. Um, and the so like four bucks, or it was um, I think it's seven pound ninety nine if you didn't have the companion. What what do you reckon, Clarky? Well, the, the hard thing for me was at the time when when you actually tried to subscribe, you had no <laughs> idea how much it was going to cost you. I, I I looked at the. The the un, unlinked subscription it was nine ninety nine pounds. If you convert that, that's nearly you know, eighteen. I think it's about eighteen Australian dollars. To me, that's probably too much for a monthly subscription because I think the biggest Patreon I pay is fifteen dollars, and most of them are between ten and fifteen. I think eighteen dollars for a specific game. I think it's probably going to work. You're not going to get as many un attached players subscribing to that 9.99 and I did it even though I did not know how much it was going to cost me and I was quite presently surprised when it came back and it was £3.99 I think or £3 something and I converted that it was about seven or eight bucks and I went well for to get all that stuff that we're getting for seven or eight bucks a month on top of what I'm already happy to pay anyway I was quite fine with it I think they probably need to tweak the the unlinked subscription a bit yeah, I'm just I'm just looking at that. I I, th- I think the unlinked is seven ninety nine pounds. I thought it was nine ninety nine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like I, I was similar to you. I mean that yeah the the subscription page was a, was a bit odd to be honest. It was just a little bit confusing. Um, but yeah, to well, and the fact is, is actually I'm still because I had Easy Army subbed not long before they launched the companion. I think as in. It had ticked over. I think I'm still on the premium companion till August or something, and so at the moment oh. I'm only paying four bucks or four pounds. Well, I, I got my I got my companion subscription came through yesterday. I don't know yeah, if that was first time. yeah for the first time. That was like sixty pounds. I'm not sure if that was linked to the sign up to the SDR to to the Vault, but the Vault one is three ninety nine a month. Now, uh, before we jumped on, Clarky, hot off the press, you had finished a print about an hour before we went to air. 
So tell us what you printed from that first month and how it went. Well, I printed the aeronauts. Uh, I printed the – I was interested that you could print the balloon in its entirety and you could print the two halves because, as you know, anyone – and the big thing was you print the deck completely. So you get the mm. deck, the ropes, the propeller, the engine. It's all in one piece. And if anyone's tried to um, put together aeronauts, you can imagine how great that is. Now, I've printed the – I printed both options with the aeronauts, with the full balloon and the and the half, the two halves. The full balloon is magic. It just goes together like you wouldn't believe. There it is. Uh, you can see it now on the on the thing, but beautiful. And it's basically exactly the same size. The quality on my printer coming out was just as good as, if not better, than the resin models you buy. The two halves. I'm sure our they listeners do. all think that looks good with their ear holes too. So they do. That's why yeah, you, yeah. you know. Yeah. But you can tell them how good it looks. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> um, when you when you print the two halves, they don't go together uh, exactly. But I think that's because they've got joining prongs on one on one side, and I think they're too long to go into the holes on the other. I think once you shave down the the joining prongs, there they fit perfectly. And if anyone's tried to put together the resin two halves, you'll know how hard that is. So to me, the printed versions are sensational. The aeronauts themselves, the little halflings, print as one model, not all different models that you've got to stick them together. And I compared them to the quality coming out of the resin ones I already had on fire in my shed. Uh, they're better. I reckon they're better. So my view is um, great step forward if you wanted to if you wanted to want to put aeronauts on the table. Yeah, and and again, I'd I'd just um, urge our listeners to that, that if they are printing, you know, the the type of resin does does make a big difference. So I know I use a the Elegoo ABS like grey resin. Parky, what do you use? I use anti-cubic grey. Yeah, yeah, and I think. And I saw, uh, I saw, I think on Fanatics that Steve Hildrew had uh, printed some Hell Strikers. The deal tail maybe looked like it hadn't quite held as well, but also I don't think the resin had been washed yet, and um, I'm not sure what resin Steve uses, but it still looked pretty bloody good to be honest. And when you're looking at some of these boxes, where you know you've now just picked up those Hell Strikers for four pounds um, compared to. What's a box of Hell Strikers? Sixty Australian dollars usually, so about that, yeah. At least maybe seventy or eighty. You know what a steal. Well, and the Hell Strikers because I, I I was I, I did some supporting of the Hell Strikers this afternoon. They actually come. You have a body. The body has the rider. You have the two wings, and you have the weapon. Whereas if yeah. you, I think if I think if you bought them in a box, there's a lot more pieces to put together. Yeah, which, which to me says that they've someone, and I'm not sh- sure who, has really put some thought into, you know, how they could do it better for printing, uh, which, which I think is fantastic because it would have been really easy just to put it all in as its component parts. Well, I look at the, the aeronauts that I just printed. I reckon to put them together from the resin models, and everyone knows how difficult they are, probably takes you half an hour. It took me 10 seconds. 
How long did it take uh, Marty to do mine, Nick? Uh, it took him a while. He wasn't too impressed with your aeronauts. <laughs> <laughs> Happened to build the carriage, put the ropes on, get the ropes so they fit into the balloon. It was a nightmare. When, when I when I when I put the um the deck into the into the slicer and saw it was all one model, I just went yes. Beauty. Beauty. Because my because de- I had. I bought two boxes of aeronauts and I ended up with three decks because all the parts weren't there. I couldn't actually produce – I can only produce three aeronauts out of um, two boxes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, now, yeah. now I've got – I'll be able to just print the decks, put the balloons on them, and I'll have many, many more. I'll have like, like some UK or US spam aeronaut armies. You'll, you'll be doing the Dan King. Yeah, that'd be right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the only thing, um, other things would be interesting to see when they get someone in, on board or is when they start producing new new STLs, whether or not they start doing pre-supported ones as well. Yeah, well, so so I think from next month they'll be pre-supported. So I think there is someone internally that's doing it already. Um, yeah, I have that on pretty good authority, although I hope, you know, like, I mean, I think – I think I have confidence in it given what they've looked to do in terms of reducing the number of pieces in the model. So I think someone in there knows what they're doing because the problem with pre-supports is that you can get them wrong, right? And then if you can get a whole bunch of people coming back at you saying, oh, my print failed because of your supports, blah, 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 you need to redo your models. Um, So I think as long as they've got someone who can have a good look at it, you know, give it a couple of test prints and make sure it works as, as slickly as they as they thought, the problem with the problem with any three D printing is, you know, a model that I've printed that is absolutely perfect and looks like wonderful. Someone else could print it and it just won't look anywhere near as good. Yeah, because yeah. the, the, the amount of amount of options you've got to get your printing right can uh, overwhelm people, and they and they and they they expect to buy a printer, turn it on, put the resin in, print the rook. If you're an Elegoo type supplier, and then start printing models and expect it all to go smoothly, and in reality, that's not the case. Oh yeah, well, it's kind of like you know the three of us are all uh, human beings, but I look way better than the two of you, so yeah, yeah, not much different, really, is it? <laughs> in your well, dreams. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can actually say now, looking at you tonight, your hairline is receding as quick as mine. <laughs> And you're oh, mate, 20, he was going 20, backwards. He 20 was going years backwards younger. Fast. Yeah, yeah, no worries. 20 years younger. Don't you worry about that. You know. <laughs> I'd be interested yeah. to see because um, within the – when you're playing in the Companion you're building lists, um, you can't yet buy the STLs. You can go and buy the models. So like you, you went and created a halfling list, you go aeronauts, you press buy, and you taste it to the physical product buy. So I wonder when they're going to swap that from that to buy the STL or give it. We'll give it a double option. Yeah. Eventually, eventually, allow you to buy an SDL model or a um, or a physical box model because three D printing is not. Yeah, because three D printing is not for everyone. No, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. But I think that the, the the benefit of the model is that everyone knows someone that does have a three D printer, right? So, like, I think in most wargaming circles, there is someone that has one now. So, you know, you can buy the STL and get someone to print it for you. Yeah. 
as 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 all your friends do, Clarky. <laughs> I got a cost of life. I don't have to buy resin. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I, I get I get my resin paid for me. Yeah, nice. And um, so, what are we hoping for in future releases, Nick? Let's start with you. Um, I'd like to see some some of the new um, Armada lists coming out, like the Abyssal Dwarves or um, you know Finish of Triad Realms. Because I mean, there's not very many ships they need to get modelled to complete each one of those. But I think if you started teasing them out like one boat a month over six months, you know, I think that that'd be very cool. It'd be interesting to see what they do with Vanguard and see whether they're going to bring that back or something. Because you know, that'd be very easy for Warbeard for Vanguard and for them to do something with that. But I'd like to see a, a Marta, and then I'd like to see the options for Kings of War. Not that I'm going to print them, so let's just be honest about it, but actually giving people those options. You know, people seem to like Firefight and Dead Zone. I played Dead Zone, and, you know, it was fun. I liked the back in the days was the, the rolling exploding eights. But, I mean, those models were hard to get, you know, and just being able to get more and more. It's a nice, easy game to get people in as well. Well, I think a couple of things. I think I hopefully it moves them from the, the Kickstarter path, which I think... They're at a, I, I believe that they're at a um, level they shouldn't be doing Kickstarters anymore. Um, but I don't know the inner mechanics, so maybe that's just me, the way I think. But I think it will be easier for them to release semantic IP armies. They can, you know, to, to release, like, I, I can imagine to release the Halfling army, that was a lot of work. But, you know, if, they, if they're going to release a, um, a new army, they can build the the infantry and the you know the multiple model things in in plastic and then they can do their their bigger models their heroes their characters in in resin and sdls and get hopefully get a a complete range for every model for every army which they don't have at the moment and i know that's a bugbear for people that like having to, to the, the complete range even if they don't use them I think they probably may need to – it'll be make it easier for them to reduce the number of armies they've got. I think 26 is probably too much for Kings of War. They need to – and too, too, too many of them are too similar, so they need to sort of cut them down. Um, and, and the big thing, I think, is to get the full range because they can combine their plastics with the, with the SDLs to, to, to do the full range. Uh, and I think – for the armies that they don't release models for, it's fairly easy just to go, look, you design 3D models, this is one of our armies, go design me an army, and then they release it. It's then a Mantic army that can be used um, and it doesn't cost them as much as if they put all the resources into building all the infantry and building up the plastic sprues and getting them printed. And they're probably not going to do it for some of those uh, older armies, but at least they could do it with SDLs and 3D printing and have a Mantic army that can be available if someone wants to do it. Because there are a lot of people out there that like supporting Mantic and they will spend that extra bit to to do it. Like I did it with Halflings, even though I probably never put them on the table. I For Clash of Kings this year, I, even though I had a full Night Stalker army, I went and bought the whole Mantic Army, so I could actually put a Mantic army on the table, yep. and I would. And, and my first army ever was a Brazilians, and let's face it, Brazilians from five or six years ago were not what you'd want to actually 
build and put on the table. Hopefully they can now design a, a workable Brazilian army and, and put it and get it put on the table. Because who wants to build Aloha ever again? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I totally agree. I, I, I think priority number one should be filling out army ranges because, I mean, the, the feedback I get is not having full ranges is actually a, bar- a barrier for people to buying Mantic in the first place if they can go to a range from somewhere else and get everything they need or or it allows them to think about other options. Whereas, you know, if you're clicking through a cart of stuff and you're trying to build an army, well, then you're more likely to book, buy it all from one provider if they've got it, right? Yeah, and I, I kind of think that, you know, I, I've been one of those proponents of potentially decreasing armies, one, because I think it would be easier for the RC to then create flavour and balance that flavour. But if they really embrace 3D printing, I'm, I'm not convinced that they have to. Like it just still remain extra work for the RC. But like it, it's unreasonable to think that probably any time in the next five years that Mantic's going to be able to re- produce plastic for all those 26 armies. So like pick something that you they don't realistically expect that they'll probably do, let's say the herd, right, and yeah, get it designed, push it out, see how it goes, you know, and, and use it as a chance to embrace your IP. And it's cost you, you know, the cost of the designer, which, you know, and in some cases might not necessarily be a small cost, but potentially you make it back. But I think also that's only more likely it's easier to make your money back if you're opening it up to wider groups, which is probably then not a mixed per month message or being able to sell it separately or, you know, then going dual platform. So there's companies that are already dual platform. So Titan Forge is one. They use Patreon and Tribes on My Mini Factory, right? Um, And My Mini Factory backs up their Patreon. So um, I think, you know, there's, there's, there's places already that, like pay cuts to more than one place, but if they really want to open up to new customers buying their models, then they have to. Then they well, not they don't have to, but they should consider going on some of those big bigger platforms and and competing for <laughs> for space. Yeah, and I and I think the, the the big thing that I want to see is probably just that we slightly get that replacement of their internal. Resin models. I mean, there's one thing you can guarantee about Kings players, and they seem to be, you know, tighter than a bunch of fists in assholes. So, <laughs> like, it's, um, it's, uh, you know, it's we seem to have a very cheap community uh, that don't aren't willing to pay for much, but potentially they'll pay for your SDLs. Uh, do you guys have any complaints about what we've seen so far from from the vault? Uh, it was very hard to actually subscribe to it. I don't know about you guys, but when I tried to do it the other day, it was it seemed really difficult to how do I actually get in and add the vault to my campaign subscription. Yeah, yeah I, 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 that was that was the biggest issue for me. Like I had, I had to at the, at the end of the day, I had to do a leap of faith to say, well, I'm going to do this anyway. Uh, I, I have no idea how much it's going to cost me, um, so I'm going to do it. But I did it, and 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 I was pleasantly surprised because the price was a lot lower than I expected. Well, and I think we do that being you know reasonable 
Mantic fanatics, right? And and knowing that their customer service is generally pretty good, and that if it was buggered up, that we'd probably get the money back. Um, so, but yeah, it 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 was clunky. It was clunky, but um, yeah, it got over the line. <laughs> wow, well, I you know I as I said as we said we know there are people that have no interest in three printing. 3D printing and never even looked at 3D printing before that are subscribed and they're going to take, they've downloaded the models and they're going to take them to a, um, a local printing shop and get them printed. You know, I think they may get a bit of a shock when they take unsupported models to a printing shop and the printing shop says, nope, I ain't doing that. But if they start to be um, pre-supported, well, then, you know, that, that will be an option. Yeah, I think that's a good point about the pre-supports too is that, yeah, if you don't have them, you rule out those people that don't have printers, right, um, or they have to buy them, find a friend that can do pre-supports before going down and it just puts barriers in the way. Um, so that's, that's certainly a challenge for them if they're but, – but I, th- I think they're fixing that. Yeah. And, and and what about challenges for them going forward, do you think? What, what, what are the main potential challenges? I think eventually they're going to run out of – uh, unless they've got this all planned, which I'm, I'm sure they probably do, but I think they're going to run out of stuff to offer because there's only so, only many, so many factions you can get in Armada. Uh, maybe they can produce one for every Kings of War range and there's 26 Armada armies, but I don't see them doing that. Uh, I think the other, other thing for them is, is whether they decide to go down the route of producing SDLs for prolific armies. Because you know, if you want to buy an undead army, or a, you know, even a, a the what do what do you call the skeleton guys? Um, Empire of Dust, Empire of Dust army, or even a, a forces of yeah, forces of nature <laughs> army. Oh, yeah, bite me. Um, there are so many options out there, and mm. if they if they want to produce their own type of armies, they're, they're going to be up against armies that are already out there. The, the probably the, the opportunity for them is ogres because there are not a lot of 3D printed ogre armies out there. Mm. And I know that a lot of theirs are in plastic and they may not want to release an ogre, ogre type release, but I think it's a it's an option for them. They need to move to being more of a story. So it needs to move away from being just traditional model printing or model creation from their perspective into a storytelling perspective. So I think we'll see some things like, yeah, every year there'll be slight changes, something added, something taken away. You know, so they'll be able to tick over what they can and can't add. And, you know, so the rules will, will evolve in conjunction with the, the committees and things. And that's where we'll see them constantly being able to make sure there's the incremental STLs. So they'll get better at, at storytelling and focus on resin production. They'll be able to look at how they do the armies and what they need to change each year to change into flavour or other things. Or they might do special events where they might go, we're going to release special STLs for a slow grow. You know, like you're doing a slow grow, Matt, there's been huge amounts of interest in that. And just say at the end of it, we're going to do a big global thing and there'll be special awards and things. And they might release STL specifically for, for that. And the STL of me. Maybe. I'm yeah. surprised me and, Ronnie, me and Ronnie the Bard can just make out an STL form. Well, yeah. they, wouldn't have to, they wouldn't have to model hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it cuts down on the detail with no hair, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Yeah. yeah. I think, um, like Nick said, that um, they could. 
get to the stage where they can actually release models quicker. Yeah. Yeah. Because they what, could what say an opportunity for creativity, hey? <laughs> to, to just say to the RC, here is this concept we have of something we really want to be in this army. Make some ball of rules for it, and then here's our STL. Print it out. Exactly. Or here's, our, here's our latest novel, and here's the Vanguard STL. Oh, yeah. Vanguard rules. Here's the STL for this one. Oh, and yeah, yeah. we've got a Kings of War army one. Like, so yeah. you can kind of here's Orion the Paladin STL. from Steps to Deliverance. You know, or. Yeah. Or um or something like that, hundred yeah. percent. Or here's this ship from this one. I agree with you, Clarky. I think I had that down as as the main challenge for them is that there is so much out there and so much bloody good stuff out there that if they decide to compete, they're just going to have to make sure that their design is up to scratch, um, because there's some really good stuff out there. I mean, one of the other things that I said when I was doing the presentation is like Nick again. It's on that sto- storytelling theme and we know how much ronnie loves his terrain well release theme terrain as as part of your armies you know get people to build you know what is a night stalker you know if it's not in a dream where does it hide you know <laughs> like or or um where where do the goblins of of panathor live let's um let's build some some terrain around that and given that multi-basing is a thing you know that that's awesome yeah, exactly. They don't have to actually produce models to put into the monthly releases. They can produce stuff to put on your bases. They've already gone down that path with saying, well, uh, we're going to release minimum minimum model count boxes now instead of full model count boxes. You you put them on the model and build a diorama for us. Well, and then, like, if it's if it's in STL form, right, and if that is a progression over time, and we know that they're going to use plastic for at least a few years, right, because they've managed to get this new company that can punch it out much more quickly and efficiently for them. But, like, probably the model count becomes less of a thing over time because if you're primarily or you're selling mostly STLs rather than plastic, then why do you care? Mm. Well, exactly. Like, like you said, like... I'd love to be able to present, print a night stalker tape, print a night stalker terrain table or a, a, a an undead terrain table. But at the moment, we sort of do well. We're going to build hills, so we'll build fifty hills and have them in stock and use them in our games. But if you had terrain, you know, model specific terrain tables, it would look so much better on the table. Well, and again, it doesn't even have to be specific to. Oh, sorry, not specific. It doesn't even have to be part of the monthly release. You might get some of it, but sell a Night Stalker terrain bundle, you know, on your web store. Yeah, and I think I think that's also going back to who do they have to compete with. I don't think they have to compete with the people who are doing, you know, the ultra high quality stuff on the mining factories because they're only trying to sell to their current community. And it might end up they might put it on there, like you know, Forest Dragon does it. Well, these ones do. If you want to buy an army, then it's X number because you've been a patron for like six months collecting it slowly. And so I think that, you know, being able to actually do that, do the theme stuff, because, I mean, can you imagine the theme terrain? I know some of the people who, who we play with down here would love, you know, and buying one piece of theme terrain, you know, every three months or so is just enough to keep them ticking through and doing it. It doesn't have to be, you know, ultra detailed so long as it's, and then you can go crazy with, with, with your ideas and things. So what is actually the Night Stalker 
So suddenly we actually do really big fleshing out of backgrounds, backstories, which then makes it easier for other people to actually add to that that um, you know body of, of, of work to get more in-depth into that, the whole world and get people get more buy-in because they put more effort into it and it's more fleshed out. Well, imagine if we could go for Clash of Kings. Oh, you know, we've got 60 people here. There were 60 Mantic armies. And you know what? We had 60 tables and we put 60 tables worth of Mantic terrain on it, you know, so so that you're you're actually all Mantic. And then we said, if you're playing on a Night Stalk table and you have a Night Stalker army, we're going to give you a benefit. Or then, yeah. or if you're, or if you're, I don't like need a, any more legs up at the moment, Nick. Let's be honest. Nah. Come on. But you can, you can play around with all that sort of stuff, right? If you've got a yeah. Mantic army, <laughs> so if you've got a Mantic army and you're playing at Clash of Kings, we're going to theme all the tables with a Mantic train, and there'll be a positive and a negative for, um, or there'll be positives for both Mantic armies that are playing on that, and there'll be a negative if you don't have a Mantic army. Or you just leave it blank, but you can encourage that. And there's only small encouragements. Yeah, and the community seems to want to do it. They want to seem to get involved. I mean, the slow grow has just been like the people watching it here in Canberra, you know, that I, I play with regularly, they're keen and they're going, mm. you know, and they've, they've embraced it. Yeah. I think. Well, um, I've seen people that have never shown a picture of a mini that painted um, anywhere and, they're, and they've been quite prolific in the slow grow. Yeah, 100%. Well, I, I think it's fair to say, guys, that we're all pretty excited about what the potential of the vault has to offer. And now, you know, it just remains to be seen it, that over the next year, two years, three years is is to what level Mantic embraces what that could provide for them. Uh, so we might move into the shout-outs. Nick, did you have anything you wanted to shout-out? Uh, thank you very much, Matthew, for all the work you've done for the community. And there's an event on next weekend, isn't there? There is. There is a Machibuse in the capital. Um, which is previous. The previous event was uh, ambushed in the capital, and then so I basically just googled what's the Japanese term given we play at Ronan Games for, yeah. for ambush. So I could oh, change, you know where you um, got it from. Yeah, give it away. Yeah, and there'll be a, um, another one in June or July, and then August or September. So we're going to have two after the one next weekend to get our mandatory uh, Masters three. Before you and I are, are running the Masters this year, Nicholas. Yes, yes, so yeah. that'll be very exciting. Yeah, actually, at the moment, Clarky's on track to represent the ACT, and so is Aura of Doom. Oh, that, that shows that shows how poor the ACT community wargaming community is. If I'm going to wait, if I'm going to represent, uh, you know, if you, if you make it up the top, you should go, Clarky. So that's what I'm going to yeah. sell it, uh, say it to Michael Douglas. If you're up there and you're at the top, don't give your space away. Well, I'm, I'm just I'm just interested in seeing over the next years what level Clarky's like game day paraphernalia takes. You know, we saw him at Clash of Kings turn up with he he assembled his wheeled trolley to wheel his <laughs> to wheel his army around. What I'm expecting over the next years is we actually see him turn up in a wheelchair pushing a wheeled trolley with his army on it. <laughs> oh, heaven forbid, heaven forbid. <laughs> <laughs> Clarky, have you got any shout-outs? Uh, yeah, I'm running Castle Assault. Uh, Castle Assault's a two-day event in Newcastle in uh, north, you know, just north of Sydney for, on the 12th and 13th of August. Uh, probably the most fun event in Australia, to be honest. Um, 
it's been off the radar for a few years because of COVID, but we're back on. Uh, we've got 24 already signed up and they've put every, put a stop to Kings of War and one other system that we won't mention because they've taken up a lot of the spots. Um, but I have on good authority that on the 1st of June, all the extra spots will be released. So if you really want to turn out to uh, attend Castle Assault, get yourself on the waiting list because come 1st of June, you'll snap your spot up straight away. Uh, I'm hoping to get above 30 players and it will be a pretty good weekend. Yeah, awesome. I, I think we're seeing... We're seeing a resurgence in the in the attendance of the two day events this year. I think you know you saw BruceCon got a good twenty four or so, which was awesome. Um, Clarky, you being at twenty four already is awesome. Uh, you know, Clash was good, uh, and then we'll, we'll have Convic as well. So it'll be, be really interesting. Yeah, and Masters is doing days as well as well, isn't it? Yeah, Masters, and we've extended that to two days. So we'll see how we go. Um, for me, I want to shout out the the slow grows, so Counter Charge and Australian versions. Uh, keep pushing through, you Aussies. Uh, we're seeing a little bit of a tail off the last couple of months, which, to be honest, over such a long event is is not unexpected. But you know, don't forget there's a five hundred dollar Mantic voucher available at the at the end of it uh, if you get enough entries to you know to to dominate and win it. Um, yep, Jeez, man, I, I actually printed some models last last month, and you didn't put me in the draw. I did after when you pointed well, it. Well, after, after after you've done the draw. No, no, oh, you're okay. in the draw. Oh, Check cool, it out, mate. Not Jeez. not that it means much because I'm actually doing the pretty. Yeah. Get your other foot back in the grave, right? <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so Nick mentioned we've got our tournament this weekend. I want to thank you, Clarky, um, and Dave Fanning, and Matt Selleck for all the help you're doing with me uh, with the slow grow. Uh, and, and I also want to thank Mantic and, and Ronnie for listening to the community, not not only on this desire for SDLs, but then already acting so quickly on things like pre-supports. And I, I think there's, there's no doubt that when it comes to the community, Mantic, despite the recurrent whinges on fanatics who, you know, seem to always have the same names and, you know, make me want to poke my eyeballs out with a fork, um, no, you know, they make, God, me, they make I, me want to f- feel I'm not gr- glad that I'm not an American. Now, I've actually got a set of handcuffs <laughs> at work for like I just strap myself in when I'm scanning fa- Facebook so I don't type. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then I bring them home for other things, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, I think we've got a pretty responsive company here and, you know, dis- despite uh, – Despite a few naysayers, I think uh, they're, they're building something positive. So, again, like to thank you guys for your time tonight. And uh, Nick, would you like to take us out? Until next time, keep countercharging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15 or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. 